Today's shir begins at the Mishnah that you will find in the middle of the Omid. If you like, you can count 18 lines up from the bottom, or if you prefer, nine lines before the Gemara lines get wide. The Mishnah will focus on what we referred to in our in one of our previous shurim as Matnas Beis Choron, the gift of Beis Choron. Beis Choron is the name of a place, and now the Mishnah. Hamudur Hanome Chavero, Yochal. If a person is prohibited from benefiting from his friend, and he has no food. No snow So if we use our common example of A prohibited B from benefiting from him. And Mr. B has no food. Mr. A is concerned. So what does he do? He gives food to someone else as a gift. And Mr. B then is entitled to take from that food that was given to the outsider by Mr. A. So, of course, Mr. A cannot give the food directly to Mr. B. That would be a violation of the vow. But, the Tanakama says, Mr. A can give the food to someone else, and Mr. B can benefit from the food, from the gift given to that outsider. There was a story, an incident with someone in the town of Beis Choron. The father of our subject was prohibited from benefiting from his son. And the grandson was going to be married off. The Omar Lechavero and the, the father of the groom says to a friend. Now, bear in mind, we're dealing with three generations here, and the, the grandfather cannot benefit right now from his son's holdings, from his son's properties, and in this case, from the meal that the son is going to be making for the grandson's wedding. That's a very uncomfortable situation. So, what is the solution? So, the father of the groom says to a, to a friend of his, an outsider, now, from the way we're reading the Mishnah and the way some of the Mephorshim take it, this, is all, this was all stated explicitly. I am giving you the, the hall, like the wedding hall, the chutzr is the courtyard where the wedding meal is going to take place. I'm giving you the the uh, the courtyard and the the, the meal uh, to you as a gift, and the only reason you're going to be receiving this as a gift from me is so that you so that my father can come and partake of the wedding feast. Omar, the friend, then said, "Im sheli haim, if." They're mine, as you say. Then I am dedicating them, I am sanctifying them to heaven. Meaning I'm, I'm dedicating the, the chotzer and the meal to the base hamikdash. That which is mukdash l'shamayim, that which is sanctified or dedicated, is something that no one will be able to benefit from. Uh, that no one will be able to derive personal benefit from.
So the father of the groom heard this and he says, Lo nosati loch esheli shetagdisham lashamayim. I didn't give you my things in order for you to sanctify them. So the friend says, Lo nosato li eshelcha ela sheteato viavicha oichlim veshoisin umesratsin ze lo ze. Your whole intention for me to get this was so that you and your father can sit down at the feast, eat and drink, and and come to good terms with one another. And the sin of a vow violation should then be upon me. In other words, uh, by by my facilitating. Uh, this uh, get-together, I'm in effect facilitating the violation of a vow. When this story came to the attention of the rabbis, they said, Any gift that the potential for sanctifying it doesn't exist, it's not a gift. The uh, Rashi says, If it's not so much in the domain of the receiver of the gift, that if he were to try to sanctify it, it wouldn't become sanctified, so then it's not a gift. The Gemara asks what many might say is the obvious question. Maisa Listar, is this Mishnah presenting an incident to contradict the opening law? Basically, when Mishnayis teach a law and the law is followed by an incident, the incident is there to illustrate the law, to support the law. In this case, we saw the opening law of the Mishnah, that when you have Mudur Hanom Mechavero, and there's no, uh, there's no uh, he can't eat, he has nothing to eat, so you give it to someone as a gift, and that makes things allowed. Well, here you've got the, the father can't partake of the meal, uh, and the, the son uh, gives the meal as a gift, and we say that it doesn't work. So that's what we call here in the Gemara, Maisa Listora, Maisa to contradict the opening teaching of the Mishnah. The Gemara responds, The Mishnah, as is the case in many of many Mishnayas, was left deliberately abbreviated. And uh, there are missing uh, words by way of understanding. We're not saying missing text, but as far as the understanding is concerned, more information has to be filled in, and thusly one is to understand the Mishnah. It is true that a solution for someone that doesn't have what to eat is the madir giving the food to someone else as a gift. However, if the end result shows that the original gift was given only as a means of getting around a vow, that's the only reason the gift was given, then the gift is not a gift. Then it's forbidden. And in fact, an incident took place in Beis Choron where the end 
showed, demonstrated that the beginning, the original gift, was only as a as a way of getting around the vow. Let us look at the Ran commentary. You'll notice the Ran on the fifth line under the Gemara text. That the end of his statement uh, sheds light on the beginning, namely the uh, beginning was, I'm giving this meal to you as a gift. However, what does he say at the end? Einon Eloha Roma. It's all a subterfuge. He continued and he ended off his gift by saying, uh, they, are, they are given to you only in so far as enabling my father to come and partake of the meal. As long as that wasn't spelled out, even though the circumstances would appear to be a means of circumventing the restriction and enabling the mudar to benefit, it's okay. It's a good, it's an, a, a, a gift and it works as the opening of the Mishnah had taught. This is going to be further uh, emphasized as we go on in the Gemara. Uh, we have diamonds that appear on the side under the Nosei Mivneh heading. The diamond uh, represents Shtei Lishonos Berava, two versions of Rava. Be'ezen Nusichamrinon Dematnas Beishoron Oser. What version of, of statement, of vowing, or I should say of gift giving, will create the prohibition? The Gemara. Omar Rava, loy shanu elodi Omar le lo shanu means the Mishnah that taught that the matnas beischorin was ineffective is if he said the enon lefanecha elokidei sheyavoy abo. I'm giving you this gift, the the courtyard and the meal, and it's only in order for my father to be able to come and participate. As the Ran says, that's a Tanai Gomor. That's a, 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 an absolute condition. In other words, you have a gift given with, uh, uh, with stipulations. Aval if the son had said to his friend to, that's going to receive the gift, I'm giving you this meal as a gift. Sheyehu lefanecha, they should be yours. Sheyavoy abo. That dad should be able to come. What is really happening is I'm giving you this as a gift. And if you, the receiver of the gift, want my father to come, so good, he'll be able to come. But it's your decision. It's, on, it's, on, it's, with, it's with your approval that father would be coming. Then it's okay. So even though these two versions, they sound the same, but as many of you are probably well aware, when it comes to legal matters, the precise phrasing makes all the difference. So that if the gift was given with a formal language of stipulation, of condition, 
then it's a mere subterfuge and it will not be effective. The giving of the gift will not enable the father to partake. However, if it's stated uh, this way, then it's okay. And now a another version of Rava is, Don't say, in other words, don't make the distinction like we did in the first version. Even if he said, "You're, you, I'm giving you this meal. Let them be in. Let the meal be in your possession." And uh, father uh, shall then be able to come and and eat. That's forbidden. My time all. Why is that not acceptable? Answer: Literally, the the uh, the meal uh, proves what's happening. What do we mean by that? So we look in the run on the fourth line from the end. Even using that that expression is uh, not going to be effective in allowing the father to come. True. In general, uh, phrasing the uh, the deal as uh, that that is not. A tonight that doesn't represent a condition, a stipulation in the gift. Nevertheless, hocha shiny here. We're not going to be so lenient. Mishum danan sadi because we bear witness. Shein other meichin sudal the nisui benov and nois the lacher person doesn't prepare an entire wedding feast for his son and then give the give the feast over to someone else as a gift. Hilkoch sudasim achasalov. The Maidomer Vyovel Abo, the fact that you have this meal and these circumstances, it just goes to show that that which he said to his friend, Vyovel Abba, and then let, and, 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 and dad will then be able to come, really, Litanai Gomer Komer. He really stated that as a formal stipulation. And that, the, that, that means then that the whole gift is contingent on the father coming. And the father coming is in fact a violation of the original vow. The Gemara continues now at the top of Omid Beis, Hahu Gavra, the Havale Bra Davishomit Kifi de Kisna. was a man that had a son that uh, used to steal stalks of flax. Asrinu Linichsei Ole, the father was very upset with his son's behavior. And father prohibited the son from benefiting from his property. Omrule, they asked the father, And if your grandson turns out to be a Talmud Chocham, so what's going to be then? In other words, you, if, uh, a man has properties, he amassed wealth, he, uh, he would only be too happy that his grandson, uh, who was, uh, was a Torah scholar, should benefit from this. But yet, the uh, father here had, had, stayed, had uh, prohibited his son from benefiting from the, uh, from the property. So how is it ever going to get to the grandson? Omar Lahon, so the father says, 
Likni Hodain. All right, says, let my son um, acquire the properties. And if the grandson turns out to be a Talmud Chacham, so then let him acquire it. My. So the question is, what does that work? Is that an effective arrangement? The Rashi points out on the third line from the top, Likni Hodain, the Ihave Bar Breitz Rabbonan. There's a slight girsa change that you see in the Rashi uh, that we have in the Gemara, uh, and he says the uh, E instead of the the Vav. Rashi has as a as a Dalit, and that makes a difference, uh, which. What do we mean? That it's a, a gift that's con- it's a we'll say a gift a transfer that's conditional, and Rashi says mishum da'akati lo bar the grandson hasn't even been born yet what you are doing here is you're transferring something to that the to a fetus that which is as yet unborn uh, and when you transfer something to a to an Ubar, he doesn't acquire. Rashi, of course, is adding um, quite a bit that we don't see in our Gemara text. In the Rosh commentary, you can see uh, the uh, case spelled out very clearly. Omar Lahon Likni Hodain, the Almenas Shiikne Livno I So the father uh, says, Well, then. Let uh, my uh, the wayward son acquire it. That if his his son turns out to be a Talmud Chacham, a Torah scholar, so then he will acquire it. The Gemara continues uh, with uh, trying to answer what's the story here. And on the side of the under the Nosei, the topic heading Kini Amanas Lahaknos, the triangle uh, represents Ma'akav, an attempt to keep track of a of, let's say, alternating opinions. The inverted triangle, Dea, the low mo'il. This uh, triangle is misamein gam amakshim alman desover de mo'il. We're going to use the triangle to highlight the opinion that this kind of deal does not work, and also to highlight those that question those who say that it does work. The triangle with the point facing upwards, Dea, the mo'il. Uh, an, uh, opinion, an opinion that it does work, because this um, arrangement, this kind of deal, is like the case of the Kenyan Sudar, the Kenyan involving a handkerchief, uh, which is uh, very commonly used if you have Mr. A wants to acquire something from Mr. B. So Mr. A will take out a handkerchief and give it to Mr. B, and in exchange for that, Mr. B's item is transferred uh, in ownership to Mr. A. That's a Kenyan Sudar. Now, as we go through the Gemara, we'll have to see what the what's the connection, what's the parallel to this. So now our Gemara continues. Uh, Amri Pumpadisoi. They're the number one. They are the first um, um, opinion. What we've described here is uh, you are to acquire in order for someone else to receive. 
That's Kani, acquire Almanas Lactus with the condition that someone else will get it. Uh, that is considered ineffective. Rav Nachman Omar Kani. Rav Nachman says it is effective. Kani Almanas Lahaknos essentially means that the person who is initially receiving it is receiving it only for the purpose of the item being transferred to a third party, to someone down the line. So that in our case, the the wayward son isn't really becoming the owner of the property. He's becoming a, an owner of it only with respect to his being the... Uh, 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 only as a result of he being a conduit through whom the grandson would receive it. So, Pupadisoy says that is not considered a transaction. In order for a transaction to work, even a stipulated transaction, the, the receiver has to become a, a, a full-fledged owner of it, uh, which is not the case over here. Rav Nachman says it does work. And he explains the ha sudra, the case of the handkerchief, uh, practically speaking, Mr. A wants to acquire something from Mr. B. So Mr. A takes out a handkerchief, he gives it to Mr. B, only in order to, uh, to um, effect, to, and only in order to uh, cause the transaction to take place. And immediately after Mr. B takes the handkerchief, he gives it right back to Mr. A. So the, the whole uh, receipt of the handkerchief, the sudra, was only for the purpose of creating the transfer of B's item to Mr. A. And immediately after that, the handkerchief gets transferred back. So you see, Kani, Almanas Laknos, take the handkerchief only with three, only for the purpose of transferring the other item to Mr. A, and it works. We take a look at the Ran. Uh, you'll notice... Um, on the uh, second line under the Gemara text, the Hos Sutra Kniyamas Aklesu, the Chiyoyev Kine Sudre Lamakne, when Mr. A, who is Kine, is trying to acquire something from Mr. B. And so Mr. A gives the handkerchief or the cloth, the Sudur, the cloth, the, to the Makne, to Mr. B. Enum is Akeu Bo Lushum Dover El Shielo Bo Kinyan, Bechtesh Yiknelo or Shiaknelo Karkishelo. Mr. B's taking of the handkerchief from Mr. A is only in order for the transfer of Mr. B's property to A to take place. Nevertheless, we still consider it a transaction. Through that sudar, Mr. A acquires the field. You see, therefore, that a transaction of that nature is effective. The Gemara continues... And notice the inverted triangle. Uh, this is a, uh, a, an attack on what Rav Nachman just said. And we're also describing this as part of a long question. And it's, there are two parts. You've got Rav Ashi and later Rava. You can see we've used a double underline to highlight their names. These are two, uh, we'll say, uh, uh, attacks on Rav Nachman's explanation. Omar Rav Ashi. Uman lemolon de sudra itofisle lo mitfis 
Who is to say that the in the case of the handkerchief that A gave to B, if Mr. B insists on keeping it, holding it, that he in fact would be able to keep hold of it. In other words, it's not a simple a uh, a catalyst for uh, for effecting a transfer, but it's a real transfer. A gives to Mr. B a handkerchief, and in exchange for receiving the handkerchief, B gives the piece of property to Mr. A. So that's a real transfer. That's not uh, that's not the kniyamanas lahaknos, and therefore, uh, if Rav Nachman is going to base his idea that Kni Amanasa Haknos is effective based on the Sudar, they're not parallel. And a further distinction, Vi'oid, Sudra, Kni Amanasa Haknos, Vekoni Min Hashta. The Sudar transfer, the Sudar exchange, creates a transaction that takes place immediately. Takes place from right now. <coughs> the property uh, referred to above with the, the, the father and a wayward son and a grandson that might be a Talmud Chocham and eventually get the property. Ah, that's Le'emos Ikoni. When, when is the, the deal to take place? We're saying the, the father and his, his, uh, his transfer to the son in anticipation of the grandson becoming a Talmud Chocham. When does the, when does the deal take place? When is it, when is it clinched? When the grandson becomes a Talmud Chocham. But when that takes place, it's as if the, the handkerchief has already been returned to the original owner. Let us go over the Ran's explanation We'll, we see. To, well, let's look at it together on the seventh line under the Gemara text. The old sutra kni almanas lahaknos min hashtahu klomar the shetin selomar the sutra kni almanas lahaknos. When you want to describe, as Rav Nachman did, that the sudar type exchange is like kni almanas lahaknos, a transaction with a very specific intent that, that it should be transferred to a third party or to another party. In the case of a Kenyan Sudar, it has a certain strength or advantage. The transaction takes place immediately. I'm giving you the Sudar for the property that you own to be given to me from right now. Uh, before Mr. B returns the handkerchief to Mr. A. So that when Mr. B draws the handkerchief, immediately Mr. B's property is transferred to A before B ever returns the handkerchief to Mr. A. The Stam Kinyan Me'achshavu, a simple, an unqualified, or an, uh, an unqualified transaction, is understood to be from right now. Avol Hocha, but in the case of the, uh, the, the grandson that might be a Talmud Chacham story... The properties of the grandfather, when would they be acquired? 
only when the grandson turns out to be a Torah scholar. It's pretty like, understandable that since the whole transaction to the to the son was only for the grandson to get it, the grandfather's intention was not for the son to acquire them until that moment that the grandson turns out to be a Talmud Chacham. What's he going to do with it in the meantime? And as the Gemara said, and at that moment, at that point in time, that later point in time, the Sudar, so to speak, has already been returned. Klomar. Klomar means we're not translating this, but there's an analogy here. Klomar, what does this mean? To, what do we mean to say? Kulsa, Kulsa means end, finished. Kulsa la oisa hakno. The, the, that uh, transaction has already finished. Bein shikneu bekinyan, bein shikneu bechazaka. Whether the uh, transfer was with a sudar or whether it was done through chazaka, meaning the let us say that the the grandfather gave to his son. We said the the properties in order for the the grandson to eventually get it. So imagine he did that transfer with a handkerchief. So the grandfather gave to his own son, uh, or, or let's say the son gave a handkerchief to the to his father in exchange for the property, but that property doesn't get transferred immediately. It's only going to get transferred maybe years later when the grandson turns out to be Tam Tocham. And that and the handkerchief that might have been used the, that the son gave to his father, the father would have returned the handkerchief. Uh, already uh, uh, at that point, at that early point in time, and as the Gemara says, the the Kenyan, the means of transaction, has finished a long time before the actual transaction takes place. Hence, it's very different than the case of a standard Kenyan sudar when. Mr. A gives the handkerchief to Mr. B. Mr. B is, is still holding on to the handkerchief while the Kenyan, while the transfer of the property is taking place. So that the means of making the Kenyan is still intact, is still extant while the transaction is taking place. Making the cases very different. And hence Rav Ashi's objection to Rav Nachman's uh, justification of Kni Amanas Vahakna is based on Sudar. Let's continue. Omar Le Ravala Rav Nachman. Vaha Matnas Beis Choron. Is it not so that the case of Matnas Beis Choron, the Kni Amanas Vahakna, the low Kani, in the case of Matnas Beis Choron, remember the uh, the son who had, who had uh, prohibited his father from benefiting. What did the son do uh, when, upon making the wedding for his son? The grandson's getting married. So the, uh, the father of the groom, he gave the property to so-and-so, to the outsider, Almanas, with the condition that the grandfather should be able to come. So it's Kini, you acquire Almanas Lactos in order for grandfather to come and participate. And the Mishnah said it doesn't work. So, do you not see from the case of Matnas Beis Choron a challenge to Rav Nachman? 
Now you can see the triangle is going to appear with the point facing up. Rav Nachman, uh, we defend Rav Nachman uh, in the face of this question. Zimnin, Omar Lay, sometimes, according to some versions, or sometimes Rav Nachman would say, as far as Rava's question, Mishum desudasa mulchachasalav. The uh, case of Matnas Beis Choron isn't a uh, isn't a real Kenyan. It's a subterfuge, and as we explained before, uh, uh, people don't give away wedding meals, and it was only a subterfuge and not with any matona intention whatsoever. That's why Matnas Beis Choron doesn't work. Vizimnin Omarle and on other occasions Rav Nachman would, would, would say to Rava Rabbi Eliezer he Diomar Afilu Vitur Osir Bamudur Hano If we look in the Ran toward the bottom of the page Vizimnin Omarle Rabbi Eliezer he Diomar Afilu Vitur Osir Bamudur Hano Lav Deshayach Ochadim Vitur Ela Deladimyon Be'almonakte not that we're dealing here with an actual case of vitur, but it's an analogy. Where you find Rabbi Eliezer is more restrictive, more stringent in the, in, with regard to the rules of vows than the rules of standard uh, monetary law. In terms of general uh, monetary law, the uh, uh, w- walking on someone's property does not constitute theft. And when someone prohibits someone else from benefiting from one's property, the mere walking on the property constitutes a violation of the vow, according to Rebelezer. So too over here, with regard to laws of a monetary nature, Kni Amanas Haknos is effective. Mishum Chumra Dinadora Mamrinon Dolokoni. However, when there is an issue of a vow involved, like in the case of the Matnas Beis Choron, there Kni Amanas Haknos will not work. So that's the the second answer that Rav Nachman would on occasion give that the Matnas Beis Choron represents Rabbi Yudezer's Shita that holds that with regard to Nadorim, things that in general people would vetor means overlook and wouldn't constitute a, a monetary issue. When it comes to Nadorim, we are more restrictive. And I just will repeat ourselves so that even though in general, when it comes to Dine Mominus, like the case above with the, uh, with the father and the, 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 say the grandfather and the grandson, there might be a Talmud Chochem, that's a monetary concern so uh, there, or maybe we could say in more general terms, kni amanasta haknos would work, but when it comes to, we'll say a subterfuge uh, around uh, a a vow, uh, I might want to point out that uh, it's true the case on the on the top of the omen also involved a a vow. Said on the second line from the top, but nevertheless, the ultimate beneficiary was the grandson. He was not the subject of the vow, and that's in contrast to the father. In, in the case of the Matnas Beis Choron, where he was the subject of the vow, and hence, in order to uh, circumvent the 
a violation of the vow on the by the by the subject of the vow, we will not allow um, um, a kni amanas lahaknos. The Gemara raises a question: Tanan, Omru Chachomim, Kol. The word "kol" is squiggle underline. It's a an inclusive expression, and it says "kol matana she'eno eno matana." Any gift that, when given, cannot be sanctified by the receiver of the gift. It's not a gift. So that is a uh, a quote from the Mishnah. Kol lasuye mai the kol expression, this inclusive expression. What is being included? Lav lasuye ha milsa dishomet bekifi. Isn't it coming to include a case like above, where the the son was uh, cut out of the inheritance, the son was stealing the flax stalks, namely the father of this wayward son. When one presented with the possibility that the grandson might be a Talmud Chacham, so he says, okay, let the son get it in order for the grandson, who, when he becomes a Talmud Chacham, will acquire the property. Can, can the son uh, uh, sanctify it? Well, obviously, no. He's not in the position to sanctify the property. Oh, so if he's not in the position to sanctify the property, the, the gift... The transfer doesn't work. The uh, Gemara, we can say, Rav Nachman would respond, Loi. That's not what the Mishnah intends to include as being a non matona, but rather, Lasuye Lishna Basra, the Shmaitse, the Rava. We have a little star if, uh, drawing your attention to Omid Aleph. At the bottom of Amma, three lines up from the bottom of Amma Aleph, what the Mishnah intends by saying Kol Matana Shena is coming to uh, include the teaching on the second version of Rava, where Rava said not only when there's a clear stipulation of the gift given only so that father can come and partake of it, that that is forbidden. But even where the language is not such a, let's say, clear, uh, um, explicit stipulation, but uh, using the language of the Gemara, where even if the, uh, the son had said to his friend, but even that case will be prohibited. And that's what the Mishnah's inclusive expression of kol is coming to include. But as far as uh, kni amenas lahaknos is concerned, Rav Nachman will tell you that is effective, and it's and, and the Mishnah had no intention of. Uh, of, of prohibiting uh, a case of kni amanas lahatnos, even in a case of the uh, the wayward son featured above, and hence Rav Nachman will maintain that the grandson would be able to acquire the properties, though uh, the though the father had been uh, cut out of it. With that, we conclude our shiur for today.